Welcome everybody to episode 91 of the Metal Cell Podcast. I hope you're all staying safe and well out there. What a brilliant opening track that was. I'm sure you'll all agree on that. From Foreign Wolf, who are based in Belfast. The track is called Afterthought. And of course, as I call him now, the magician that is Josh Robinson from JSR Studios. I just knew it, man. As soon as I heard that, I went, that's got Josh's fingerprints all over it. I contacted the lads in Foreign Wolf just to get a bit of detail for ye about the band. So they were formed in 2019 and they consist of Dave, George, Jay and Mick. They released their debut EP, Tempered Hearts, back in October 2019. So that is up in Bandcamp and has since received great feedback both locally and nationally. It has surpassed 50,000 streams on Spotify. Congratulations on that, lads. The new single expresses the lads' thoughts and feelings on the topic of anxiety and depression by looking at it as having a relationship with your mental health, such as that of a relationship with your partner. The lads have a lot planned for the rest of the year and into 2021 through new singles and one or two new music videos. So be sure to keep an eye on their social media sites. They are very active, which is what I love seeing. And definitely looking forward to some more new releases from Foreign Wolf. Okay, let's go on to the main interview that is with Carl Gibson of Conjuring Fate. If you don't know too much about Conjuring Fate, they consist of Phil Horner on guitar, Carl I'm talking to on guitar, Tommy Daly on vocals, Steve on bass and Niall on drums. They were originally formed in 2005 by Phil and Tommy and they have quite a few releases. The first one being their debut EP which was House and Haunted Hill. Uh, That was an EP released in 2014. Conjuring Fate signed with Germany's Pure Steel Records in 2017 and they also released the great Valley of Shadows in June of that year. Curse of the Fallen was released worldwide on the 15th of November 2019 and it promptly swept the Irish Metal Pole Awards with Album of the Year, Single of the Year, Best Artwork of the Year and Band of the Year. Right, let's get on to the interview. Thanks again to Carl Gibson for coming on the show. What a great guest he was. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. This is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Carl Gibson of Conjuring Fate to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. What about you? I'm flying. Um, This show is not sponsored by Pinnock and Black Lager, even though I would love it if it did happen. But um, yeah, it's a weird thing about uh, beer. We'll talk about beer for a second. (laughs) (laughs) This lager came into Ireland probably around seven, eight months ago in Little, and then after you get a taste for it, then it disappears. Uh, that's, um, that's, is that the main market demographic that picked was Ireland? Because <laughs> the new Ireland would have been perfect for it. It's like, what, what one place could we sell this fucking beer? Fucking Ireland. Do you think, Carl, we've become a bit of a fucking beer snobs? No, I, I, don't, I don't think Ireland's beer snobs because, you know, Ireland just drinks. You yeah. Know? There's only the, the small, small people that love the quality, but... Most of just love the binge drink. Yeah, know? but like there's all these hipsters now going around fucking with their different selection of beers and what glasses to fucking mustache drink it up. out of. Yeah. Mustache curl about, I can't do it. Mustache curl up and 
Sipping. Mm, this one's good. This is a PPA. It's PPAs that you call it? APAs? Oh, IPA. IPAs. Oh my it. God, that's the worst mm, of the worst. They, they the love old, that. The pinky up in the air. I know. Number one. Mm. Number two. Tastes exactly the same. But, and, this, uh, and they swill it around their mouths as well, like it's wine. Which like spit it in a bucket, you know? Ah, for fuck's sake. I never thought I'd see it in Cork now, but yeah, unfortunately. No, this... no, no. I, I, no. I mean, like I said, you've got, like, this is what's funny during uh, COVID because yeah. um, the one place in the world that uh, you're not allowed to have web pubs in is Ireland. I mean, I, I didn't think you'd, you'd see it. Oh, I, I didn't think you guys would stand for it. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It definitely brought up the whole drinking culture at home anyway. It did, yeah. Certainly that's, did. That, that's uh, a fair point, yeah. But I don't know what the hipsters are doing at home now because they can't show off what beers they're drinking. Well, fuck, coffee shops are closed for a while and stuff there, so. Yeah. Um, probably crocheting. You know, <laughs> say that beer, friend. Or embroidery. You know? More yeah. importantly, what have you been up to um, in the last few months? Yeah, um, I try to keep myself busy a wee bit, so obviously I've got work and stuff. I had a newborn, just born there uh, oh, three weeks ago. Congratulations, man. Thank you very much. So I've already contained myself with that. I'm trying to find a, I'm trying to buy a new house as well soon, so that's trying to be busy. But in the back line of that, um, I've recorded my own acoustic album as well, which should be oh, released very good. in the next couple of weeks. So try to keep busy over lockdown. Obviously, with us not rehearsing, you need to sort of try to create something. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm not an RC type, you know, I'm not going to paint a pristine chapel on the wall. Yeah. So I thought, I'll, I'll record some uh, hipster folk music. Ah, so okay. I, I was just wondering days. what kind of um, style is it in? Just uh, kind of, I say, more darker folk, maybe. Just I like ballads. I like sad songs, you know. Yeah. Even when I'm not so sad, I listen to sad songs, you know, to get me sad. What kind of sad songs, like Leonard Cohen and stuff, or yeah, Johnny yeah, Cash, I'll, or... Yeah, yeah, a lot of ballads. I've been listening to more, um, more like the more American kind of folk, like Nora Gunderson and stuff like that. There actually, um, mm-hmm. kind of like your 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 Sons of Anarchy soundtrack. Oh it, yes, you know? okay, very good. Yeah, um, White Buffalo and stuff like that. I like the kind of there's something about being said. You know, you can kind of go technical on the guitar, yeah, but it doesn't really resonate with a lot of people. You know, especially mm-hmm. someone who doesn't really know the guitar. They're looking going, that looks. Uh, Shit, you know. But yeah. when you have someone who plays maybe one nice central chord, everyone's like that. That just touches me, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. Take one, three simple chords, and just. And is it an instrumental? Um, singing as well. You're singing, singing as well. well. Yeah. Okay. So I I took a week off and just pretty much recorded it within the uh, week. Um, I just set the studio up uh, in my dining room because cool. of the, the the signs. So. In the um, just brilliant, probably. brilliant what you can do nowadays. You can actually, as you just said, set up a studio in your own living room and actually produce something that's really good. Were you using Reaper or yeah. GarageBand or one of those? Or uh, Cubius. Um, I've been using Cubius for years. My, I was lucky enough. My brother recorded as well, so um, he years and years ago when we lived with our parents, he got a loan out and created a studio in our garage. So when I was up and coming learning the guitar, I had a studio to hand to write my own stuff. And then I quickly sort of realized that making music is really fucking difficult. Um, when you put it together, it's like, fuck, singing is really shit. The timing's really bad. It's all really bad. And then um, I just resorted to learning the pentatonic scale for six hours a day, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then I realized that actually composition is the more important thing to go. You know, technicality is all good and all, but it's songwriting is the main thing. So. And what way that. is that dynamic with Conjuring Fate? It's good. Like, I do write songs for Conjure Fate um, on um, 
I was just, I, I, I just forgot the, <laughs> I was going to say Ballet Shadows. That was actually the album before Chris the Fallen. <laughs> I don't even know the names of our own albums. It's called The um, Brain Fart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just actually generally my knowledge of country music. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, we put us on the cross. Usually the process goes, it's kind of like a conveyor belt, you know. Everyone can kind of contribute. And we have to pass free Phil because mm. Phil is kind of the sign of counterfeit and he has yes. got, he's created a real, real, you know, you, you can't have four members churning in some random genres because then you wouldn't have a sound and have mm. a band. So yeah. we brought it to Phil and if Phil thinks he can fatalize it is what we call it. And um, <laughs> then it passes, but I've sent him a lot of stuff and it's just like everyone else does. And it's, a lot of it doesn't hit the mark just because yeah. it is very different. So um, I did manage to get a few things through from the, the past albums, but most of the time, I just keep it for myself now. Cause oh, okay. It's important to keep creating anyway, you know, regardless if it's for the band or for yourself, you know. Um, we use it for somewhere. And, you know, it, it beats, um, you know, sitting there the sofa watching TV. I mean, at least yeah. you can kind of go to bed the night going, I did something. Could did you something. ever imagine yourself sitting on a bar stool in a bar with a guitar and singing songs for an audience? I did it a couple of times, actually. Okay. Um, I did it at a, a bar, I've done it twice. I've done it on a bike rally, playing covers, and then mm -hmm. I did it another time for a covers, but never my own stuff, but I would love to, but it is always that kind of thing. That I know the promoters and the agents within the rock and metal scene, mm -hmm. but within the sort of bar scene, it's a completely different yeah. hierarchy of promoters, and that's the real problem getting into it. Now, I do know a lot of people um, that do that, but it's getting connections, and if I'm honest, being with sort of trying to juggle real life and then content fate. If I did it, content fate would probably get in the back burner, which I can't really do. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy enough just at the moment just releasing. I've got solo projects on Spotify and all um, myself that I do. So um, I'm happy enough just to keep it yeah. recording, you know. And did you purchase much gear over the lockdown? No, it's no. one thing. Um, in terms of uh, musical equipment gear, like see that guitar I have, I've used that for, since I joined Country Fit, I bought it and I've never changed it since. It's, a gears has never really, there is two, there is certainly two types of players and bands. There's the people that know everything to do with gear and there's the people that know piss all. I'm definitely <laughs> in the piss all. I mean, when I first started, I had people come up to me going, oh, many ohms is that amp? And I'm like, huh? Uh, it's a big amp. That's all I know. And um, there's two plugs at the side of it. I have no idea. And then people come to me going, uh, is that a GX1240 slash 201? What? No idea. <laughs> so gear is something. Uh, it's this bad. That, see, in terms of changing guitar strings, mm. because Phil does a way better job, I just <laughs> give it to him today. And I know if I wait long enough, Phil kind of stresses easy. Yeah. So if he sees my strings getting rusty and there's a big show upcoming, he doesn't want me to have rusty trains. He'll go, come on, give me that guitar and I'll change it. I'm like, oh, are you sure, man? You sure? Oh, fine, thanks, man. So that's the process. He goes through it all the time. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I just put it around my neck and I'll attempt. And like, again, you don't have many pedals. You just stick with the ones you, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, when I first joined, Phil had this uh, Line 6 head and uh, mm. you could sort of pre-program, had four channels and it was a basic pedal board to control it. Mm. And, this thing here, like you kind of don't need anything else. I mean, it kind of sounds like studio production almost. Yeah. So there was no Perfect. need really to sort of buy. Mm. At this kind of day and age as well, with the whole sort of pedal, it's kind of down out unless you have a real interest for it. I mean, there's just so many. You can kind of even program the whole sound into a tiny stomp box and take it with you in planes. You don't know how to even need it. It seems amps. Yeah. You, know, you can just go DI these days. It's kind of down out. 
But yeah. it's better for show to come on me. If you see a band, you want to see big four by 12 cabs, you know, stacked up to the gods. You know, you don't want a band with nothing back there. <laughs> That's all, you know, you need, you need to have a big amp. You need to have lightning coming down. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really it's, it's part of the show, man. It's part of the, part show. Of the show. Yeah, goes with the smoke machine and the lights. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> we actually, funny story. Our launch gig in Belfast, we Phil decided to get these. It's new technology, apparently. It's these things that shoot indoor fire at large. It's actually sparks, but apparently you don't need any certificates or licenses. Very good. And we did it in limelight. But the manager <laughs> that seemed to be too happy. He was convinced that the thing was going to go alight in our banners. So when these things hit off, like we had not really tested it. We only tested it because you only have limited uh, fire. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. as the first one came on, we hit, uh, Tommy had to rewrote, and you know we mm. kicked in and fuck these things near took our faces off. Um, <laughs> very fucking bright. You know they tell you that it's got nothing to do with uh, it's uh, flame retardant stuff. I think that's Jesus. bollocks. Jesus yeah. Christ. You, you would become a burn victim shortly after if these things were close to your amp. So, Bango.com, was it purchased? <laughs> I was uh, wish.com. Wish, you know, there you go. It's either one or the other, isn't it? <laughs> very precious. You get a gimp mask. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the height of, uh, of equipment, really. Uh, classic. <laughs> so, you joined the band in 2014. I think correct? it was right then, yeah. I was yeah. quite. 20 or so I think okay so tell us how did you you obviously were aware of him on the scene I'll be honest, were you, or what happened I think it was I it turned out I wasn't but then it turned out when I joined a year later that I actually seen Conjuring Fate when I was in school um, oh, okay. I went to a gig when I was uh, about 17 or 18 and mm. they were actually on it but I forgot all about it right it actually was a funny story I was working um, at the time I just left school so I had a job at a local um, petrol station and this guy would come in with uh, sort of scrummy looking hobo, long hair kind of type of guy, turned out to be Tommy. And, uh, you know, carried, carried a wee sack and stick in his back and stuff, played the harmonica, some tales of his, uh, his disparities in life. But he got to me one night and he, I don't know why he, he felt it was really apparent to tell me. Me and him used to talk, you know, the odd banter, mm. you know, oh, how's it going today? Oh, nice weather, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then the second day, he decided to tell me that he was down at Phil's studio. And I thought, this guy's really wanting to tell me about his, his travels. Mm. And I mentioned at the time, was oh, I play in the studio as well. And then he came in one overnight and he mentioned about the band he was in, was looking at guitars because he left. And I said, um, I know it's hard to find people. And he was explaining he needed to find like a technical person that could, you know, do sweeps or whatever it was. And mm. in past, I mentioned that, oh yeah, yeah, I would do that in my studio as well. I have a few technical albums. And then he goes, why don't you audition for us? And I was like, I don't even hardly know you. <laughs> yeah. And I just left it there. But funny enough, it actually turns out that my supervisor at the time was Phil's wife's okay. auntie. <laughs> okay. right. And yeah, so he basically, um, he, I, I, he contacted um, his wife's auntie and she gave him the contact details and he messaged me on Facebook. Uh -huh. I was like, why don't you come down? And they had tried a lot of people and didn't work out. And I thought, ah, what's it to lose? So sent me two songs, learned them and came down. It seemed to work, but I was shitting myself. Because yeah. at that time I hadn't really sort of played for any bands. I played by myself. I was more of a bedroom guitarist, you know, as I okay. said. Um, so. You were into metal though, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Where my, my, my passion lies is um, prog music. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, a lot of progressive rock, like Arion and stuff. Um, like who? Uh, you ever heard of Arion? 
Dutch no. composer, Urgent. Okay. He has he gets a lot of um different prog sort of people on um his albums and stuff like that. But um prog and then obviously I went down the, the death metal scene for a while and stuff there. Like I'm a big fan of Bloodbath and stuff like that. Um but always blues music and I was I was passionate about a lot of different things and it just so happened that heavy metal was also a passion, but maybe not as great as what the guys were. Counterfeit guys knew the backlog of every Iron Maiden song, but <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I like Iron Maiden, but I didn't know. Like they would tell me names of like, oh, number the beast, uh, track six, you know, they have this week. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, so the music was inclined. It's 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 metal. You know what I mean? Mm. You kind of all click in, and and if you play guitar, I think personally, if you're a guitarist or a musician of any sort, you shouldn't just stick to one bracket. You should be able to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Everything. Hmm. It's it is a big problem at the minute. You see a lot of um guitarists from the get go. They try to um focus on maybe like you know detuning the guitar down four steps, and you know which is which is fun. You can get a heavy sound from it, but it seems to be that they haven't really took time to maybe focus on the the actual theory of things, and mm. it, it it makes you limited in the long run. So yeah. Yeah, so that yeah. album then you so you played on House on Haunted Hill yeah. EP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And that what EP. was what was that like for some guy that just didn't well, because I know the ropes? My, <laughs> I know. Well, because I recorded myself, I, granted I was sloppy. I mean I was the producer and I was I was the director, the producer, the manager myself. So, you know, if anything was out of time, I was like <laughs> that was a great take the next one you know <laughs> then when I came down to a more professional setup like Phil he had the bamboo stick out whipping me and all going not fucking right and then I realised oh fuck this is hard and he yeah. had the metronome and all was all precise and all mm-hmm. and I was done click 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 then then it was very difficult and stressful yeah. and ever since every album has been very difficult and stressful <laughs> um, it is hard like Phil has a certain way of approaching the guitar um, mm-hmm. he's, he's a extremely good lead player, but he's also an extremely good rhythm player. And it's it's tiny wee details that you you know the, the ear doesn't pick up on until you actually break it down. It's like, that's actually quite difficult to time in. Mm. And uh, coming to the studio and learning that kind of style of playing for that and getting it 100% right, it is difficult. And it tends to take a couple of days to get it all down. So yeah. the recording for House and Hill was nowhere near as bad as the albums, obviously, because it's only three tracks, but um, it was... Yeah, it was challenging. I'm yeah. saying, like, it was, yeah. And he'll, he'll, he'll reinforce that. <laughs> Leading then into, we'll say, video-wise, you're renowned as a band for, for doing great videos. Mm-hmm. Do you have much of an input in, into that? Or are you quite happy to leave somebody else jump in and uh-huh. uh, direct you? We, yeah, I mean, we all have that idea. Before we do videos, we kind of talk about it, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like you've worked with George Clark, the yeah. legend, you know. We always we always go with him. It's just yeah. um great guy. And George is great to work with because, you know, any of your ideas you want to go, George is like, fuck yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Okay. Or we are afraid if we work with someone else, maybe they may put in time restrictions or technicality mm-hmm. issues. But George is always up for it. Um, George is always up for it. But... Yeah, we always, before video comes, we all get together and we all, um, we do it. Why we're shooting a video, we sort of shoot ideas as well, but we need to have a structure because you only have a certain time limit on the day. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, it is, it is usually a, a wide band thing in agreement um, yeah. before we do it, but it's a good fun always, you know. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Days, but 
um, it, it's not to take yourself too seriously sometimes, you know. Oh, yeah. That. And I think that's to your credit as a band, you know. I mean, there is the ones there where you're in the abandoned warehouse and playing in the deserted house but like with, with the light cast shadow <laughs> yeah yeah you know dr frankenstein that was a great one as well yes that was fun i was actually my brother that did we got my brother in to do the um to play dr frankenstein oh very um, good cool yeah well he's a very awkward man <laughs> in every walks of life i mean if you get around to do simple tasks like put the kettle on or walk outside he looks very awkward doing it and we thought fuck that'd be great to have an awkward looking yeah. Doctor. So we started to get up at him and we just said, Brian, don't, don't try to be awkward. Just walk normally. And it looked awkward. My own personal <laughs> favorite then is trust no one. Trust no one. Yes, that's With right. The Cold War nuclear bunker. I mean, how did we you lucky. come across that? Yeah, we, Phil had in contact with a guy over um, in Port Town. They were part of a committee that keeps a lot of the underground bunkers alive. Yeah. Um, so we, we used the bunker for the first scene. But it turns out the guy also had access to a abandoned hangar in his committee that they redo up a lot of the air force so a lot of the army that has crash vehicles they donate them to these people these uh hobbyists and okay. they'll do them up and stuff so we we got into this place and to ourselves it was um it was pretty surreal actually <sighs> um being able to get in these helicopters and whatever the technical names for the planes are the mm -hmm. flying machines and uh, <laughs> obviously you know for the solo and stuff, we were up in the wings and stuff, which was fucking frightening because I don't know what I'm standing on. Like, there's no health and safety. <laughs> we don't have a health and safety guy in the band, you know? There's no what? more high-fizz jackets. Yeah. I won't be doing that. I'm not sure for that. <laughs> so I was up in this wing here, and uh, they were like, I'll be fine. I'm like, fucking on your neck, it'll be fine. But no, we got lucky. I'll say that. We got lucky Jesus. we got that. But it's, sourcing things is important. Phil will go out, he'll do a lot of work before videos. He'll go out to abandoned places and he'll, he'll try our best, but it's getting more and more difficult to come through. See, ab abandoned areas, not only are they secret, the photographers that go there, they will not release the mm. whereabouts. And yeah. so it's fucking hard to get there. Like. Okay, so let's listen to a clip there of one of my favorite songs um, by E, it's No Escape. It's probably a while since you've heard this. Things with 
so much fun. Yeah. Good to hear that. I haven't heard it in a while. Must <laughs> <laughs> listen to that album again. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you, actually. You know, when you spend so much time on an album like that, then, like, do you revisit it much? Or is it just pushed in the background and you move on? It's hard because you're playing it too much. You know, yeah, of course, yeah. You kind of, after a while when you play it, seeing you've done three shows consecutively, especially in like a tour or anything, you've played it constantly, you kind of don't tend to go back to it. Mm. It's like anything when you write anything yourself, you're much more critical of it. And it's, it's very strange. It's because, you know, you don't look at it as a whole picture. You start to segment it into okay. tiny fraction size be it you know was that guitar good enough was that solo good enough it's, could the vocals be a bit louder you know yeah. so you're, you're more critical or someone listening to it can see the whole picture of course yeah so yeah. I think it's actually stressful listening to yeah. stuff so <laughs> I tend not to do it too much yeah even with the podcast there you know I, I never revisit it's, them yeah. they just I, do one move it's on. exact same thing yeah you know it's strange yeah when um, other people watch it you know it probably resonates I used to do the same thing any, any sort of video content I used to release watching it back is yeah, it, it's hard to watch back. Probably, you know, the only you'd, you'd probably watch it back for the, the edits and the cuts. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It's just like get through it because like I'm I'm listening through it for the audio side, and then I have to do the video <laughs> side. And by the time I have other bands' music put in, I'm just that's it. Good luck. Move on. <laughs> no, no. Well, they're long as well. I mean, podcasts are very long, so mm. it would also put your uh, your work your work time would be massive if you're trying to listen through it yeah editing takes long enough you know over rendering and stuff so yeah um, actually i've a band on this week's show from northern ireland as well back in back in yes well our drummer he's in um back in now oh no is, uh, is it he's now yeah yeah, 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 yeah cool. in, so in he's a wee slug so yeah in two bands back in's great um we've they've been in the scene a long time as well just like conjuring fate and yeah great guys you know we, we know the guys personally ourselves as well and cool. their, their, their new album as well is like yeah you know, it's brilliant jesus Fantastic. christ it's a great release extremely heavy yeah brilliant yeah. when he great when having he... these stuff like you know having kind of northern island balance coming out of the woodworks like that's it's it's great to see you know and mm. that's what's nice about the community you know you kind of want that community local scene to beg each other up and help bands you know rise up yeah, I'm glad you said community because that's what it is. It is, and that's that, that's a good thing about it. And sometimes, you know, as time goes on, you know, I always find when a local band seems to reach a, a slightly, let's say, higher status um, in the hierarchical local scene, if you will. Yeah. Um, the the local goers that followed them from the start seem to kind of drift off a wee bit. Okay. Um, I don't know why that is. It could be maybe the band because they start getting bigger shows, more popular shows the followers like to sort of go back to sort of more up-and-coming bands or mm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an obscurity thing, an yeah. underground thing. I don't know. I'm, I think in metal, we, we, we do have that a lot. I mean, there is, unfortunately, there is an elitism in some parts of metal within the spectrum of, of and you probably know yourself, and yeah. it's very hard to sort of segment it. I mean, the elitism, you, it's, you probably get it in a lot of different types of genres, but unfortunately, because metal has so many sub-genres, um, it could be rife in a lot of areas, like so. Yeah, I think Carl, what you're on about there is very valid in relation to the live music format. Yeah, yeah, more you know? of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because the crowds sometimes, you know, they're 
they're not big, but you'd actually notice certain guys not going anymore to certain bands and you're kind of going, why the fuck is that? Like, Yeah, I've, we've noticed that. We used to have a good few followers from the, the early days, like, um, and you never see them anymore. And yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe the, maybe the, the, the crew to detest you, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but um, we find a lot of it in, in the scene. There, there is a small group of like underground ones that prefer to keep to the, the more obscure gigs, you know, where there's less population on it and stuff. Yeah. So you don't know, but um, it'd be nice to have, you know, I would love to see, I know everyone can't go to every gig, but I'd love to see no matter what, you know, popularity of any band is in any local scene, mm. everyone comes out. Everyone that goes to local gigs comes out. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a big community. And Maybe it might take something like COVID to make maybe. them realize what they've been missing out on. Maybe. It is that perspective. You know, COVID does... I think COVID has allowed a lot of people to smell the roses, you know, yeah. so to speak. A lot yeah. of people to sort of, but then my fear of that is, you know, once the rules do open up again and you're allowed to, and to help with the consequences type thing, you know, you know what the human condition's like, you know, two weeks of doing it straight, you may fall into your uh, old habits again. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. It's, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are your memories of playing down here in Cork? Brilliant. It's, you know what, some of the best gigs we've played, um, and I know you probably get this all the time, bands, you know, because you live in Ireland, it's like, you know, oh, it's like when big bands come over going, you have been the best crowd ever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But generally, some of the best gigs we've played in Ireland. Um, we've played Cork about, uh, I think, three times, I think now, and it's been crazy. I love Cork. I've got, I usually go up quite a lot, and um, yeah, Cork's a beautiful place. We played um, also uh, Galway. Mm. And Limerick and stuff, and always it's it's one thing I said the the uh, crowd and turnout from Ireland is so much more than Northern Ireland. You know, we adore the people in Northern Ireland. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, yeah. the crowds are more mental in Ireland, <laughs> which is which is good, especially in in almost every county we've played, we've seen kind of reception where much more it felt more passionate actually. Mm, um, okay, and I don't know, and it's weird because. You know, Belfast and Overland, only the really the main places where gigs sort of occur, yeah. the gigs, is Belfast. There's mm. one place to go. So you'd mm. imagine you see all the same people flock in, but fortunately it's not the case sometimes. Yeah. So um you guys definitely have the card up on us in terms of passionate crowds, without a doubt. Mm. It's a good doubt. to hear. Um yeah. it's it's now down to a case of what venues can we host the likes of he coming down now? Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a bit worrying. Um, well, Friends sh- Evans was the one we used to play, and I think um, yeah. times. I but saw you in Friends, play. yeah. Yeah, but I, I, what way is this working now with COVID? In- um, it's not open, mm-hmm. and we don't know will it open either. Being truthful, yeah. and if that goes, we're then scrambling to find the kind of venue. Well, you know, I know Fred's is really small anyway, but like it had the atmosphere. It's it's a legendary home of metal really yeah, you know, there's, there's, so many there's no fucking way other way to describe it so yeah so Spalpine Faunach is another option I don't know did you play there as well might have there is another place I can't remember yeah, the there I is think one you might have with two shows in Fred's and there's one more mm. I can't remember now yeah I think it was Spalpine yeah. so last year I don't know were you watching with interest I know I was mm. shout out to Trevor of Cranium Titanium the podcast, Irish Metal Awards podcast of the year podcast of the year <laughs> thank you thank you I was surprised it, but right, yeah. deserved. cheers oh, man <laughs> um, you swept the boards 
he absolutely swept the boards with um, album of the year, single of the year, artwork of the year, and band of the year. That's right. Yes, we didn't ex- um, we didn't expect the many awards. When I woke up that morning, we got the message free from Phil. Showed us all, and I was like, "It's very, very generous. It's great." Yeah. And uh, we, we we know Trevor. Like, um, we met up with Trevor actually in, in Galway the time we were down there. Now he's a great guy. He's a gr- lovely great guy. dude. He also yeah. lost a huge amount of weight. Might be said. Um, from the photos I've seen. Um, stress. Give <laughs> you stress. He's done a fucking amazing job. Um, so yeah, no, Trevor's a great guy. Um, and yeah, we, we felt very humble. Um, the windows, actually, seen, yeah. Jesus, like when you think of the competition you were up against, like, I don't... It's hard to put it into perspective sometimes, isn't it? You don't yeah. really sometimes, when you win these things, you don't really sort of think about who the competition was because at the time when you win it, you sort of just, you're taking it in from the front of you just won something. But mm. then, sort of, when you put perspective, you know, the great, there's loads of other great albums oh, there stop, and bands man. and albums there. Like, it's, you know. You know, um, did that filter back actually to your um, record label? Yes. Yeah. We, we basically have to run um, almost everything we do <laughs> band wise with them, be it gigs and stuff and, and any awards like that and stuff. So, mm. um, I don't know if they've, uh, you know, I don't know if they'll, 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 they'll increase our paycheck then. <laughs> I guess if we go on. Um, maybe, maybe they'll go, you've just won um, um, the year. I'll put you on 22 grand each, starting from Monday. Um, but no, um, I don't know. Is it honest yeah. truth, actually? Yeah. Um, be it that they're a German label. Mm. Um, oh, it's hard to say. <laughs> Not yeah. too sure. Yeah. Yeah. When do they come in to play with G? Or like, are they in the background the whole time going, well, what's your plan for next year? Do you, do you have a, a release mm-hmm. date or how involved are they in relation to the setup of Conjuring Fate? It's mainly on the distribution okay. um, of the album. So they distribute worldwide, frankly. So mm. um, what happens is for albums is they will um, print so many and then they'll distribute it to their sellers across the world and they'll sell it in festivals and stuff, which yeah. is a great help. Um, mm-hmm. So the back and forth when it comes to recording albums and stuff, there is a wee bit of a slowdown process because of course you need to go to the label and then they have maybe a six to eight month um, turnaround on accepting and doing the printing. Okay. Then also another factor is is they want to listen to the album and mm. see if they're happy enough of it. But then also in terms of quality as well. We did have um, on the last two albums, last one even, um, the mastering. So they were looking for a particular sound at the time um, and they do offer to master it for you for free for their guys. But okay. at the time, Phil obviously had put a lot of work into it and he didn't kind of want someone else coming in mm. sort of take credit for the mastering. So Phil had just essentially said to him, go and listen, give me your feedback on it and we'll adjust it accordingly. Okay. You know? yeah, yeah. But that's usually what the process they have in. In terms of gigs and shows, we are looking to we are looking to branch out in terms of Europe or Germany. Like I mean Germany, as you know yourself, Germany is one of the biggest places for yeah. Um, heavy metal. They yeah. love heavy metal, and I think our genre will go down really well there. But it's getting into these shows, so they do have um, pure studio records. Do have these kind of setups where you can get on tours, but they do cost a lot of money. I think yes, it's money, yeah. But distribution is the main thing. Yeah. But, okay. Interesting that you brought up the mastering. So you approached a nice friend of the show, Josh. Yes, I for the for no, young Josh. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, good guy. Um, yeah, so he did the curse of phone. He did an amazing job. Um, I remember getting back the uh, the the demos and stuff. He was sending us and stuff, and I remember hearing. I was like, "Wow, this sounds 
mm. very, very big in the field and very wide. Yes. So, yeah, he did an amazing job. Um, really gave it that. I mean, mastering makes a big difference. I mean, it is something that when you, you know, when you compare a mixed album to a mastered album, as you know, there's a, it's like chalk and cheese, a massive, massive difference. So, I mean, he was really the punch we needed to, yeah. to get a big sound. And um, thankfully, he was, he was great to work with, very easy to work with as well. You know, mm. back and forth communication was amazing. Um, where there is that worry if you send off to somewhere else. Yeah, obviously Phil, obviously Phil trusted him and was an admirer of his work as well. Yes, I, as I said, Phil did the, um, the first album and we just felt for this one, we wanted every album you kind of want to, I don't know, evolve maybe in a sound wise. Maybe not, not as any genre because you know the market product you're delivering out to people is what they like. I suppose, you know, yep. and I know when bands try to change the genre, you know, be it on your head, you know, mm. I know people get bored, but again, you know, you are delivering a product out which people trust. It's yeah. probably, you know, you don't need an album that has blues, rock, metal, punk, and yeah. because you just go to a punk band or you go to everybody's band for that. Yeah. So for this album, the involvement we wanted was just a bit more of a, a different sound, mm. be it a bit more of a beefier mastered sound. So yeah. hence the reason we picked Josh for that Yeah. And I mean, he's done some fantastic work, work with other artists as well, to be fair. Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of one of the reasons we heard a lot of the stuff and again, it sounded like big, big production. Yeah, you know? so, yeah. it's it great, easy. man. And he's so young as well. Um, he was another mm-hmm. guy that I was in touch with uh, through COVID and um, I'm glad bands have started coming through the door now again with him okay. because, you know, Jesus, you'd hate to see a guy just lose everything over fucking a, a pandemic. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it's one of the biggest things in the minute because, you know, because of the, the time and it's been going so long, you know, mm. kind of independent workers and the self-employed and stuff. Yeah. They're, they're kind of thrown to the back burner. Yeah. We've not uh, artists as well. Artists as well, yeah. But you look at, um, a lot of artists get a lot of their incomes, say if you're a, a wedding band or playing and that's a massive hit to say you know no no gigs for the rest of the year I want to cut mm-hmm. it off yeah people can you know we don't mind people can come and meet and sit down yeah you exactly. no no can't, can't have that you know it's yeah. just it, it is nonsensical what were the strong points do you think of Curse of the Fall in, in relation to the debut album mm, um, there's a bigger sound obviously anyway yeah, but, uh, that was, yeah I mean I would say that the mastering thing would probably be the biggest point, but I think actually the song sounds where even though it was the same in the vein of the same genre, mm. there was a slight, slight, it felt different. Maybe it felt different to us because it was a, it was new songs, but mm. we had played, you know, we were playing the house of the well, Valley of Shadow stuff for a couple of years after the EP. Of course, yeah. You know? And that's a great album actually, Valley of the Shadows. Yeah. Thank you very much. And yeah. we were playing it and it came to the point, same as the intro as well. We had the same intro for years to the mm. point where the bass player was even like, oh, I, fu- I fucking hate this intro. I hate <laughs> and I remember we used to stand our back turned to the crowd with the intro playing and he used to be whispering in my ear going, this fucking intro. Um, <laughs> he used to hear it because we keyboard like, ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when it came to writing new material, every time we're going, fuck, this is so fresh. Yes. Mm. So I think the strong point really is, I think, Vocally, Tommy did a way, way better job. Great it, point. Right in. Way, way better job. Spot um, on that. Yep. The, the drumming as well was, you know, Niall has a real, real, a real flourish technique where it's, he can deliver a se- very technical, but can s- deliver a really serious push and drive. Mm. And again, for that album, the, 
the album was heavier. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Um, and then in terms of guitar work and stuff as well, I think, you know, uh, the solo wise would be more melodic for me anyway. I enjoyed playing them a bit more and they, they fitted the music better. A lot of the stuff in um, Valley of Shadows, um, I did a lot of it was improv on the spot solos, and which I do a lot of shows, and it just didn't, for me, it just didn't, didn't sound right. It didn't link in with the composition of the song. So this one here, I'm a bit more happy with. So yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a bass view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, like you still managed to keep the classic sound of Contra and Fate, but just blended it a bit more. And I think, as I said, Josh definitely gave you the bigger sound. Yeah, I think that and concept wise as well. I mean, we've always been very consistent in the horror thing, you know, yeah. um, based on be it films or the more darker side mm. of. Um, and Kim did a terrific job as well. Shout out to Kim for that. And as well. Like, like Kim Art. is. Kim cannot be, can't sort of express enough how much Kim's done for the band. And, you know, without her, we'd be fucked, like, especially the marketing, like, big, big, big difference. Like, and again, we wouldn't go to anyone else for that because it's it's consistent looking artwork and it's been great all the time. And it obviously, you know, she won an award, you know, yeah. before. So it'd be a no brainer, you know, mm. him all the way, all the time. How much did COVID affect you tour plan wise? Had you much planned for this year, for example? Yeah. I haven't got a list here. It affected quite a bit, unfortunately. We had a lot of gigs planned. Um, we had um, two big tour, uh, two big festivals, sorry, at the end of the year. One was in France, um, and we were very looking forward to that one, and it got um, cancelled. And then there was one also, actually, the Clam Festival in Dublin. Um, oh, yeah, Clam, yeah. yeah. Clam that's, was back. And then, back. You, you know, I've seen Candlemas and Corner. That's how I was, and I was like, I'm a big fan of Candlemas um, yeah. and Corner for that. And I was like, fuck, this is fuck. But obviously now it's postponed. We did, there was an unannounced festival in England as well, um, with big band names that we, we won announced yet, but we were agreed to play on it. And now I obviously up mm. there as well. So, and then we were supporting, I think the band Vega as well, coming over in June, it was knocked back. So basically the whole year was a write-off. And it was a shame because this was the year to push the album. The album yes. was out last year. We mm. only got a chance to do it in Scotland and um, obviously Cork and Belfast, that was it. That was it, yeah. No, we were kind of like, fuck, this is going to be the big push. So we kind of need to just reboot and revamp for next year and treat mm. next year as the, the big push for the album. But yeah. Like everybody else, I suppose, really. So everyone's in the same boat. Yeah, I'm yeah. right, man. You know, I, I I can't complain because every artist and every band's felt the wave hit from that. Just like even people in you know, local businesses and, and everything's mm. felt the wave. It's it's an unfortunate circumstance, but you can't really dwell on it. You know, yeah. it's a, it's like we talked about earlier. It's a good time to gain a bit more perspective. You know, this year was busy for me anyway, and you know, as much as I missed the rehearsing and gigging, and somewhere it was quite nice to kind of sit back and smell perspective a wee bit more you know yeah. kind of take in the fact that well you know slow life down a wee bit you know do mm. things kind of with the family enjoy yourself a bit more so yeah yeah i think that was a positive actually to come out of it <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean song wise you're only just still going back to rehearsals now really um, yeah we are mm -hmm. so you're you're behind on that e or have you any we we all kind of i know i sort of I sort of ripped Phil to say that. Oh yeah, I, me Phil. Yeah, I rehearse every night. You know, <laughs> really. You know, last time I rehearsed was maybe you know two thousand two. But in terms of rehearsal, um, you know, we have a very sort of strict policy and try to be professional. Everyone knows the stuff coming in, and that's it. We don't we don't try to clean up when we get into rehearsal. Everyone should be one hundred percent before coming in. Rehearsal should just be about playing as a collective. 
in terms of getting your parts right and everything, that should be yourself and then you're international. So um, we haven't done it in a while. We do have a few plans though to go back actually into Phil's studio and do a few rehearsals, studio rehearsals mm. with the actual um, potential hope of doing a live Facebook gig in okay. the studio recorded. That's our next actually plan of attack here because right. then we can't really do much else. So um, we might as well try to pedal on at some extent. Yeah. No? Yeah. I kind of look at you and as I, who are similar enough to yourself. <laughs> we played with them actually a few times as well. Yeah, really? lovely yeah. lads. Yeah, great. They started just uh, releasing singles on true videos for last year's album now, you know. So Cortexi fan came out only ah, right. a month ago. And it's actually after working, but usually it's the other way around. Usually the band will release the videos before the album is out. So they've done after? Oh. And because of that, I've come to prominence again. That's, do you know what? I mean, they're, they're smart. I mean, it's a good, it's a fantastic marketing strategy. Because, <laughs> you know, the sort of the Facebook and stuff like that, they're when you share and post. If you put a YouTube link to anywhere, people are very, very reluctant to hit a YouTube link and then go into another source. You know, it's very easy if you have something there and then for them. And mm. especially even if you're doing a Spotify link, very reluctant. They're even more reluctant. Yeah. So Why is that a song, I don't know. It's, it kind of goes back to the old sort of, uh, the sort of theory of, you know, why people don't listen to their full albums anymore. You know, now you would argue that they're not proper music fans, but, you know, it's kind of like radio culture. You know, people like the sort of one song that's easy, accessible to them and move on. Something that someone will play for them opposed to them having to go somewhere else. It's also kind of a fear thing, maybe, because, you know, when you want to get into a new song, you might need to listen to it a few times. Yes. You know, and, you know, when you listen to it, maybe a three, four minute song, which isn't a lot of time, people listen to this going, uh, you know, I want to listen to the song I know. I want to listen to the song that I know the lyrics to and I can sing along to and dance to. Yeah. Or when you bring in something new, it takes people a wee bit while to tune mm. that in. So it could be that. But all more power to them for doing that. That's that's a good idea, especially during COVID. More people on social media and stuff, they're not out and about. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what we'd say for your album? Mm-hmm. Course of the Fallen, the lineup of the songs is that deliberate in relation? You mean like a structure of songs, like yes. Prizes? Yeah, it is something that we you think, think about or talk honest, about. Yeah, I mean, every time any album I've ever done in the past, it's always sort of been thought, right, what song do we play with first? What's the second one? And in an album, you kind of you kind of need to hook people early. Mm. If you're a concept album, it goes by the story. That's the difference. Exactly. Yeah. But we don't have a concept. I mean, every song has an individual um, post. So we went with um, Burn the Witch. Obviously, our last album ended with Backwards Witch. So it was revisiting it. So Very it kind good. of felt, you know, like a to be continued. Yes. Uh, and it kicked off the album great, to be fair. like Exactly. So that's why, it, and it was a non-bullshit kind of song. It was four minutes long. There was no weird slowdown breakdowns. It was just boom, 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 boom. boom. That's what yeah. it did. Um, and then the second song, and Voodoo, um, again, it felt just to start with had a hook to it. And yeah. you kind of need to, you know, you leave your more slower, sadder songs to middle. Mm. With the album. You know, that's why we had Midnight Skies a wee bit later on and stuff and Daughter yeah. of the Everglades. You Daughter know? of the Everglades, yeah. Yeah, yeah Night, so, Night of the Knives yeah. is after Daughter of the Everglades. So there, yes. that's that's obviously well thought of again. That brings... that's it. So you, have, you have a ballad, people go, oh, lovely song. <laughs> and you go, oh, fuck, Sinister, someone's killed someone. Someone's raping and killed someone. Who's this? And then that's how you get it. And then yeah. you go after the heaviness. So there, there, is, there, there definitely is, I think every artist actually does it in some extent they, they think on what I want people to hear first but then as it get when it gets later on the album mm. and then of that. course when you're, when you're playing it live then again it gets chopped around again that's one of the hardest things to do as well you know when, you, when you're doing a set list live 
it's also picking the songs, but it's also going, what order do we play these in? You know, and, and then obviously what your time limit is, you know, if you've got 20 minutes, half an hour. You yeah. know, most gigs and a lot of local scenes, unfortunately, some bands run over or they don't get the equipment set in time. So your time gets cut to maybe 25 minutes and then on the spot you have to go, uh, what's all we're going to take out? Then you have to kind of try to think, what do the audience, what do you think that would appeal to more? Mm. It's, um, there is wee tiny, tiny details. I think it's important. And, you know, if you don't appeal to that one audience member, it's important. I mean, if you appeal to one particular member, they may be yeah. the person that comes back to six shows in the future. They may be the person that buys every T-shirt you release yes. after that or every album, you know, yeah. and then shares it on their Facebook, which gets exposed to 20 other people, mm. you know, has a domino ripple effect. So it is important to, you know, bands do say, you know, I don't care if you don't like us, but you kind of do want to appeal to your market demographic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you are putting a product out and the uh-huh. product needs to be up to scratch. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, unless you're one of those, one of the Stoner bands that are like a fifteen-minute epic one song, you know. Yes, or the obscure, 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 obscure black metal, you know. Um, I, I, I grew up listening to a lot of black metal, like um, boss. That being said, there is some of the really obscure ones that um record it on like tape players and stuff, because mm. that's obviously oh. the, the the scene. Yeah. But to yeah. be honest, again, for me, making someone pay for that. Again, it's a product. You kind of kind of deliver. It's like selling someone a fucking car and going, "This is the car. It's lovely." Smash, 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 smash all the windows <laughs> in. Take the 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 valves out and stuff and going, "Well, yeah." Right now, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I don't think you know black metal has a certain sound, but it you should be able to hear what the sound is at least. You know, production mm. shouldn't be a. I don't think production should be a really sort of a specific genre thing. It should be more. That's just your kind of yeah you know, timing production. That could be your two things that should be consistent with every music. Yeah. And I suppose, again, with new songs, the more you rehearse them, the more certain songs stand out as, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this is going to be classic live. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we always rehearse it in the studio. Before we record, we rehearse. Yeah. That's one thing. So we rehearse together. So we know kind of what they're going to sound like. Um, like Original Sin was one when we played that in rehearsal live because it was, we knew that was scored at the end of the album. I mean, Original Sin had these massive solos, harmony sweeps and all that. It just was uplifting. It was fast. So that was a no-brainer to say, definitely that ends it. And mm-hmm. then Burn the Witch was a nice head bobber. Definitely that, that opens yeah. the album. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of clear things in that. Yeah, Like every band from Maiden downwards go through that, you know, trying to figure out what are the songs that capture the crowd. You, know, you don't want guys and girls yeah. drifting off half as true, going for a pint, going, fuck it. The arse is falling out of this. (laughs) Yeah, and I think a big thing for that is the stage presence as well. You kind of do, I mean, some bands do forget that they are putting on a show. It's supposed Mm. to be entertaining, you know, and I know some bands, you know, may need to, you know, constantly look down to be technical. But, you know, if if crowds are in the usual stand down just doing this, you know, Mm. it doesn't really kick back to people. Where if you're Mm. sort of up looking at the crowd, pointing at them and all, you know. Involving them, yeah. I, we've seen it all the time. Like we would have big stage presence. We would go to the crowd and run around and stuff. And one of the things we noticed was as soon as you, you even look at someone or you lift your hand up, they start to smile and start to maybe, and then four songs in, they're, they're dancing. Yeah. But I have seen a lot of bands doing it with their heads down and people tend to drift off. So, mm. you know, and their music's amazing. It's a shame. You know, some of the music, their music's great, but the stage presence thing, it's just, I know people's yeah. there for the music, but people do want to see some sort of lively emotion from you as well. Yeah. What about yeah. memorable tour stories? I'm sure you've had a few. Mm. Yeah, we, we always have um, 
We always have a, a load, but it's my memory's really shit, so it feeds off to the last one. Um, probably the um, I think it was like three years ago, four years ago, we did, we did um, the O2 Academy in I think it was Manchester, mostly. Mm. Um, and we essentially it was three half three. Um, we were some and Phil had pissed off at his hotel, so Tommy did, and it was me, Stephen, the old drummer Bogdan, um, Polish guy. And uh, oh, yeah, cool. he left the fucking merch box um, in the the bar bit. And well, obviously, they had the safe full of the money and stuff, so we couldn't leave it there. So the hotel is about 25-minute walk away, and there's no taxi we could get. So we all had the, me and Steve, because Bob Don brought up a glass pint out to the streets with him, um, with his backpack with drumsticks still sticking out of it. We had a this heavy box all the way up the fucking hotel with police driving past and Bogdan was, was lit and Bogdan was really insistent when we got back he wants to go out again and we were like nah nah we're, we're, we're going to bed he fucks off to a strip club <laughs> we find out still with his backpack backpack still on drumsticks sticking out of it and stuff and all ear monitors in and all still has that he doesn't give a shit goes to a strip club we don't see him for ages and then he was staying with the, the driver at the time we had and uh, 7 a.m. comes in with this some girl he's met. And who's the driver? Um, can you can you give us a bit? And he was not obviously happy because it was fucking seven in the morning, still sleeping. And he got up and all brought his blanket and his pillow with him and all. And he says, "You've got 30 minutes. Get a fucking done." We didn't see Bog on for the rest of that weekend. <laughs> for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think he was ashamed. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> after Christ. that. Um, so obviously his name is Bogged on. So he got doggy boggy after that. Uh, but a lot of it's. There's a lot of always funny stories happens into it. It is, see, going with five guys you get on so well with. Mm, yeah. uh, you do a lot of funny stories, but unfortunately, by the end of it, you're all broke. Mm. And you kind of forget a lot of the funny stuff <laughs> that happened. But um, yeah, memories, I guess. Anyway. Do old festival gigs, have you done many of them? Yes. Um, we've done a few um, more, a few like indoor ones. Um, we are looking to get I mean, we would love Bloodstock, for example. Yeah. So that would be great. That's the holy grail for, for a lot of bands, just 100%. as a stepping stone even to... 100%. The thing is with Bloodstock, we, we did do the um, Middle of the Masses at the time, and we got we got through to the final. Um, and then another great band from Overland, Overworth, uh, one. Oh, yeah. They've um, been going a long time. They have. Now, we said we would never do any sort of battle bands. We can't anyway, because we're in a label now. So you'd have to leave a label to do them kind of things. But, okay. Um, the thing with Bloodstock is it's I, I used to go every year um, just myself and it's it's a great festival it's one of the best ones you can go to but it is more for I know the main stage has a mix of different bands mm. but when it comes to the sort of Sophie stage and all I'd say majority of the bands the local ones or the, the sort of upcoming are more really really heavy you know I think death metal and stuff like that is more of a fixated you do see some of the cheesy metal coming out but it's yeah. It's definitely not as strong. So I think going into it, we were kind of like, fuck, you know, mm. our music genres kind of out there from what they usually pick, but we'll try it anyway. But we have played, but you see this year we were getting, we had three or four offers. Okay. Then we had um, Wildfire Fest What's last that? year as an offer. It obviously fell through. So every time we get a really good festival, something fuck, fucks it up, yeah. you know, out of our control. So mm. we're hoping this next year, though, Phil's trying to get into a few of the European circuits and stuff. We had had offers. We even had, I think, 
um, Anvil it contacted us some time ago there yeah. do a few tour dates with them but in my opinion you're a perfect festival band because it's cool it's good it's fucking metal and it's as it, it you involve the audience you know what I mean so like what what better to be there at five o'clock in an evening with your beers and conjuring fate hit the stage I know and, and that's that's what we really want to get onto but it is just that kind of it almost feels like sometimes like the politics of uh the the wider scene of the, the promoting stuff for overseas it's hard sometimes to get onto them I mean we played one that was the it, that was actually the one in the OT Academy arena and um, I can't remember it was the the upcoming festival three day festival mm. for the Hammerfest I think it was I think it was oh yeah Hammerfest yes yeah yes, and yes. at the end of it they also do pick bands to play the big festival at the end of it but a lot of it is okay I know I know two of the bands that got picked there they're one of their aunts won the fucking Judge panel, you know, but yeah. uh, it is politics. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, up and coming bands, and their members have been on, you know, around different bands for years, and they have sort of the contacts for the promoters abroad, and they, they get on the big shows. So, yeah, it's hard breaking through that if you don't know it. You're you're trying to, you know, here's my what album. Would, you listen to it. What would you think, Carl? Yourself, would you be up for as well the likes of tours, putting tours together where Conjuring Fate are playing with a death metal band or a hardcore band or, you know, would you be open to something like that as well? 100%. I mean, we play, when we toured Ireland, um, we, we got a, a wide mix of support bands. You um, did, yeah. At the time, and um, it's great. Um, I would love to actually have a mix of three different bands that mm. follows you around the whole time for four or five shows. Um, and I think yeah, I mean, Strangers With Guns supported Gene Cork as far as I know. Yeah, yes. There was a few <laughs> bands. Unfortunately, I know it's very rude of me, but... Um, because of it, we've done Ireland a few times tour wise. I it's very hard to remember all the bands mm. at the time, but when yeah. people mention them, I'm like, oh yeah, they did. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we, we would love to. Um, fuck, the island tours are great fun. They're mm. amazing. You don't need to get in boats or planes. You drive down, yeah, and there's always so many funny stories. You meet so many great people. So yeah, um, we we were in talks with a couple of bands before we met down there that they were interested in maybe starting a tour thing. So. Hmm. perhaps maybe next year when when covid's lifted yeah if there's ever. a band that comes down the whole time um is the crawling and yes amazing yep we're very very andy and stuff and stuart yeah. and gary they're great guys massive, we, they have a massive following down here yep and rightly so i mean hmm. one of the big things that the crawling's particularly excellent i think is um not let alone the music's unique but i think um they're they're marketing and how hard they work I mean, they've created an, an amazing... I mean, that, that crawling logo is great. You want to wear mm. it in a T-shirt. You want to put it on a fridge. Yeah. You want to put it in a car banner. Jesus, so, tell me about it. I have so much merch by him. Yeah, and, and that's, that's an important thing. I mean, the more merch you get out there, the more people see it, you know, and then it, you've got a whole list of followers wearing your T-shirts. You know, a T-shirt is free promotion for people. Yeah. You know, so it's... It, they've, they've done it so right. And even just wee small things, you know, when you gig with them, for example, it's a fucking amazing gigging with them. Like, Andy is so helpful. I mean, you know, you want to lift your amp, he's right on it helping you and stuff. Yeah. Best people to gig with. Go so smooth. Um, we've supported them um, a few times. And yeah. yeah, if he isn't, if he isn't helping you, he's filming you. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. That's, that's why they're so great because he, yeah. he's got every single spectrum down to a T. He's got the marketing, he's got the music, he's got the sound, and he's even got the, uh, the sort of blogging and the following. They're yeah. like sort of four big fundamental keys for a band yeah. to get as much exposure as possible. And More part of them, as far as I'm concerned. 
and um, Pete as well, his brother. Pete, I get on with Pete very well. So we used to have a lot of conversations on the Gent. channel. Many things. Um, Stranger Wire, I have a Stranger Wire hoodie. Um, mm. I wore every day. It's my only hoodie yeah. I've worn. Um, I, I actually said well, funny when I was seeing when I seen Stranger Wire for the first time in Belfast. Um, a lot of bands, like I said, a lot of the death metal bands, um, they do have a particular sound, and you can kind of tell that it's, yeah, they have the kind of local death metal scene sound, mm -hmm. and it sounds great. But Strangler, for me, had a different sound. It reminded me of old Swedish kind of death metal, actually. And because yeah. I'm such a big Bloodbath fan, it was kind of like, oh, this, this guitar sounds much more chunkier. The riffs are more, there's, there's more grooves here. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of death metal has the problem of they get in the, the sort of point of the song where there's no groove. It's just speed. Yep. But Strangler had all that. It was brilliant. They had the grooves. And even Pete's vocals and all. It's one band that I said that was the best death metal band I've ever seen come from the local scene. And I, I said I knew they were going to do big things. And Yeah, they're they actually recording at the moment. They are. That's right. I've seen some photos in the studio. Yeah, I think they're, yeah. they're finished actually now. Yeah, but was it England? I think I saw. I thought it was somewhere. I thought it was England for some reason. What, what location is, but I've seen the photos they're putting up. Um, the track the guitar and stuff. I, yeah. I, Stranglewire, particularly for me, seeing them live is, I, I recommend everyone see Stranglewire live. Same with yeah. Chrome as well, same thing. See the way they, they have a really perfect approach oh, with the lights dimmed and stuff. It makes you feel really morbid. It's brilliant. <laughs> you know, and that's what you want to feel. You want to have a, a different kind of feeling. You know, yeah. you want the creepiness, you know, airiness. It's great. Listen, thanks for coming on, man. It was great having a chat with you. It's great. I've never done anything like this before. So Haven't you really? <laughs> no, not really. Phil usually does all the uh, interviews and stuff. And things, so we leave it to him um, because he's probably panicking that I was going to say something very co controversial. Or Nah, you left out no secrets, man, even though I tried. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, try to go on and say something really ridiculous to make the band go viral and controversial and for everyone to turn to hate us. So no, Phil's no, probably, man. Phil's no, probably no. sweating buckets right now. Going, what the fuck he said? <laughs> you know? Like but it's uh, title, you know, counterfeit guitarist claims COVID doesn't exist or something. <laughs> <laughs> the next release is going to be an EP of covers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do uh, a lot of uh, Tina Turner covers. Conjuring Tina. One, yeah. Big shout out to the missing members, Phil, Tommy, Steve, and Niall, is it? Niall, uh, yeah. yep. Niall. Mm -hmm. Jesus, what's Niall's other band? Uh, Backin. Backin, yeah. Backin. yeah. Yeah, he also, he also does Megadeth as well, a Megadeth uh, tribute band. Oh, was it really? Yeah. I think uh, they played their last show there last year. I think that was the corner quits for a while, but yeah. yeah. Um, That's another whole uh, fucking rabbit hole cover bands. It is, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of them. And the good thing with the cover bands is they, they do, um, the shows they do play, they'll, they'll get a good turnout because, you know, if you're wanting to go for a night out, you know, if you know a band's going to be playing Megadeth or Metallica tributes yes. or Whitesnake tributes, you're like, fuck, I know I like the music, I like the band, I'll go. Yeah. Where local yeah. bands, you do need to take a shot in the dark, don't you? It's like, yeah. well, I might hate them, you know, so I won't go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've been listening to Carol from Conjuring Fate. I hope 2021 is far better than 2020 for you. And as I said, you have a massive following down here and we will be there the next time you hit us, hit the shores. Appreciate it. Hopefully next time we'll bring a real we'll critter on vaccine. We'll get it down there. <laughs> so thanks a million, Carl. Take Thank care. Thanks so much, bud. It's lovely to see you. Take care, bud. Right, you've been listening to Richie from The Metal Cell and be sure to check out Conjuring Fate on Bandcamp, YouTube. They have plenty of merch as well. So that's important, man. Support them. <laughs>